In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. It's good to see you guys. You guys sound good today. Man, give yourself a hand. Yeah. Yeah, y'all act like you don't believe it, but like that left side over here, I feel you. Yeah, I was digging that. I, it's like y'all been saving that since last Easter to do this, so that we got that out. Man, that sounded good. Well, welcome, guys. Glad that you're here. Um, man, we are so excited to be celebrating Easter and uh, everything that that means for us. And uh, we've been in a series, um, if uh, you've been with us uh, over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Vivid. And the whole point of this series has been to just try to let you see Jesus clearly, to um, present Jesus in, in the most clear and vivid manner that, that we can, uh, because that's why we're here. Uh, it's, it's not here just to play religion, just to play church. It's, we're not here to, to do anything that is uh, just to be seen by people. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus. We're here to declare his righteousness. We're here to declare his life. And so this morning, we want to continue to do that. We want to continue in this, this series. Actually, we'll, we'll finish this up today with, with, with this message. But we're going to go to the book of John, and you can go ahead and start turning to the book of John. John chapter 20 is, is the passage we're going to be reading this morning. And it is an exhausting passage, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. Um, living here in Richmond Hill, there's, there's something that you will notice uh, not too long after you move here is you ride down the road and you see people jogging, people running, you know, people on bikes, people are out moving, you know. How many of you guys, you're some of those people? Okay, we got a few more. The, the early service, they, they were not that church, that, that, those people, right? They were like, look at him. It's like, somebody better be chasing me if I'm running, right? And so, you know, early, early service, you know, they're, they're a little bit more laid back, right? But you guys, you guys understand that. We're, we're, you're a little more active. And so people around here are active, and, and, and people are running, they're jogging, they're, they're exercising, and, and maybe you're running for different reasons. Maybe you're running, you know, because you just like to run. I don't know who that is. You might need to get checked out for, for that reason. I don't know. But it, it, maybe you're running to stay fit, stay healthy, maybe to stave off, you know, some, some, something, uh, but, but, Whatever that is, I, I think I really understand why people in this town run. People in this town run because they're running from the sand gnats. Come on, somebody. And the church said amen. If you, if you were not from here and you're just visiting us homebodies, we know. We know it doesn't take long, you know. The folks that moved in in December when, you know, March starts rolling around, they're like, what is, what is going on? What, is, what are these things biting me? Why do I have whelps on the back of my neck, right? And, and it's, it's the sand gnats, right? It's, it's these beasts. I actually believe that that is one of the ten plagues in Egypt. I, I do. I, y'all think I'm kidding. I really, really do. You know, it's got to be a plague, right? If, if, if they're bad. So, so, I mean, people run. They're running from sand gnats. They're running from the yellow flies. You know, if you live on that side of 144, you have those yellow flies. You know, if you live on this side, you're good, right? I don't know why that is. They can't cross the street for some reason, you know. Why'd the yellow fly cross the road? They didn't. They didn't cross the road, so, okay? 
so, yeah, I mean, people run for, for, for various reasons, but around here they're running from sand gnats, running from yellow flies, running from mosquitoes. Uh, in some neighborhoods we run from alligators and we run from, uh, from wild hogs, and you might be running from the ants too, I don't know, but uh, I, I, maybe you're talking about not, not ants and uncles. I don't know, maybe you're talking about ants and uncles. But people run for a lot of different reasons, and the reason I say that is because in this passage this morning, we're going to read, and I've read this passage before, and I've never really picked up on all the activity in this passage, and so I want us to go to John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, and this is John's gospel. Um, The writer of, of this gospel is also known as John the Beloved, you'll He'll reference himself in, in this gospel as the way of, of the one that, uh, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so uh, you'll see that here. So John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. And while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And so Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. See, once again, they're, they're running. She's running. They're running. There's a lot of running in this passage that I've never picked up on. Both of them were running together together. And the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. See, that, that just is, it's kind of curious to me that John's writing this and he says, you know, if he's recounting this passage and he's recounting what happened, he says, listen, I outran Peter to the tomb. Right, And I don't know if there's a little bit of rivalry between the disciples. I think we could pick up on that in some of the passages where some of the disciples come to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, we want to have you know big spots in your kingdom. When, when you come into your kingdom, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left. And uh, so you know, there might have been a little bit of rivalry there. So I don't know why he wrote this, but it's interesting that he wrote that he outran Simon Peter. You know, But we see that he didn't go in the tomb when he got there because even though John might have been quicker, Simon Peter was a little bit braver, right, because he went in first. So we see that here in this passage that, that John recounts. Lying, he did not go in, but then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. If this series has been about seeing Jesus, this disciple saw something and believed after he saw. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. I want to stop right there. See, people are running all over the place. Mary is running John is running, Simon Peter is running, everybody is running, and it seems like they're running all over the place. Now, they didn't just start running, though, on Sunday morning of the resurrection. Actually, they had been running. They had been running, if you look back, they started running on Friday 
when Jesus was taken and put on trial and he was put against uh, the uh, insurrectionist and rebel uh, Barabbas. Pilate put him up and said, who do you want? I'll give you one of these prisoners. And Pilate probably thinking, they'll ask for Jesus because Barabbas is notorious. That's the word used in the Bible that he's notorious. He's a murderer. He's a rebel. And so Pilate probably believing that he could get out of this mess by giving them Jesus because Jesus was innocent and and they shocked Pilate because they said, give us Barabbas. If you're going to give us somebody, give us Barabbas. Wait, wait a second. He had to ask them three times. And they said, give us Barabbas. And they says, crucify Jesus. And so they took Jesus and they put him through a trial and they whipped him and beat him, hit him with a stick across the head, took a crown of thorns and pressed it down on his skull. Then they put him on a cross and nailed him to it see the disciples had been running all weekend they had been running for their lives because not many stuck around after that actually you only see some of the women sticking around to the very end you only see some of the women in John sticking around to the very end that the rest of the disciples had run away and you see even Simon Peter because Simon Peter was one of those guys he's like hey He's kind of brash, right? You got any of those friends that they're just kind of type A personalities? You know, they're kind of that alpha male kind of guy. It's like, yeah, let's go. We can do this. Let's take this thing, right? And that's Simon Peter. He's, he's brandishing the sword. He's like, I will go with you even unto death. And Jesus just kind of quiets him and says, before the night's over, you're going to deny me. Not once, but three times. Ah, that's not me. That's not me. And it was him. He denied Jesus. Actually, the Bible describes it in this way that Simon Peter followed Jesus, but the words that describe this was Simon Peter followed Jesus at a distance. See how that works? When things get uncomfortable sometimes with God, we begin to put distance between us and that which makes us uncomfortable. And so Simon Peter began to put distance between him and Jesus and began to put so much distance that he denied Jesus three times and ran away. And so they've been running. They've been running all weekend. They have been running to the point they have been running from something. They have been running away from something up to this point. But on Sunday morning, resurrection morning, they stopped running from something, and now they're running to something. There's a change of direction. There's a, there's a change in their their activity. They have been running in fear. They have been running from the Romans. They have been running from the authorities. They have been running for their life. Now they have stopped running and they are not running away from something. Now they're running to something. And actually, more specifically, they are running to someone. They are running because of the news that Mary brought. She says, Listen, I've been to the tomb. He's not there. He, he's He's, guys, listen, he is not there. It's crazy talk, Mary. You, I don't know, you're, Mary, come on. What, what is wrong with you? Been sniffing paint fumes? What have you been, Mary, what's, what's going on with you? Mary, you're seeing things. No, 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 he's not there. And I don't know about you, but I know that I've lost people. 
And there are people who I want to see. And if somebody told me that I could get back or I could find my loved one again, would that not be something worth running for? Would that not be something worth tearing out of the house for and saying, I don't know what's going on here, but i got to run and go see for myself. And see, that's what John did. John, as he came to the tomb, he saw something. It became vivid for him. Actually, John saw nothing, but it was something. The nothing that John saw became the everything that John needed because Jesus wasn't laying in the place where they had left him. Something has happened. Something big has happened here. Now, see, we criticize these disciples a lot. You know, I don't know about you. I have always had in my brain that these disciples were a little bit older. Anybody, maybe when you think of disciples, when you get a mental picture, these guys kind of have some long beards. It's kind of salt and pepper. Maybe they're a little, you know, crotchety and cratchety. And, you know, I think about that with Simon Peter a little bit. He kind of seems like that. He's a little bit grumpy, you know. He's, he's kind of older, you know. And, and I kind of feel that way when I think about them. But that is probably a very wrong depiction of who the disciples were. See, the disciples would have been, all of them would have been under the age of 20. And for me, I began to try to get this picture in my head, and I want, I want some help this morning. Can you help me, Kobe? Can you help me, Caden? Yeah, you know, you're looking at me. He's like, do I have to? I've actually called you already, so now you have to. Your dad's nudging you. Come on, guys. Come on. Adam, come here. Yeah, Adam, come, Cardenas, come here. Come here. These are some guys I know that I can pick on. They love me. I think they love me, and I think they'll still love me after this. You know, you have to. Your parents will tell you to. All right. But see, these guys, I want you to get a picture right now. How old are you? He's 15. 15. 14. That's how you do that. Yeah, 14. Yeah. And, and I want you to get this picture. These are the age of the disciples. Does that mess with anybody? Does, does that, when you begin to think about this, that we throw these criticisms like, they shouldn't have done that. How could they run away from the Lord? They're teenagers. They're young men who, at a certain point, they would have had their bar mitzvah at about 13. And at that point, they would have either stopped their training or their training under a rabbi would have started to kick in. And so many of these, it was kind of dividing point for them that either they were going to follow the rabbi that called them, which was not many, not many. That was the cream of the crop that got called. And so the disciples were not part of the cream of the crop. They were the young men that got sent back home. And so that's why Jesus found them fishing. That's why Jesus found them doing other jobs with their families. And so when Jesus came by, and Jesus is about 30 years old, because a rabbi cannot be a rabbi until he's 30 years old. You can't become a teacher uh, of, of students until you're 30 years old. So Jesus is 30 years old, and the disciples are all under the age of 20. The reason we think it's 20 is because when Jesus paid the tax to the Romans, if you remember that story, there was a fish that had money in its mouth, and Jesus said, hey, go get Peter, go get the tax money from the fish's mouth. And he paid tax for two people. And the Romans only said that if you were 20 years old or older, you had to pay the tax. So Jesus only had to pay the tax for two people, himself and Peter. 
Everybody else would have been under that age. They would have been these guys. And don't they look good? Give these guys a hand. You can go sit down. But see, that messes with me. That messes with me because it changes everything about the story for me. I don't see these old men any longer. They're not old men. They're actually young boys that got a second chance to get a calling from a rabbi. And so when their parents saw this rabbi calling them, I always thought if I'm the dad sitting there fishing with my sons and they took off, just left their nets, I'm like, hey, dude, where are you going? You know, we're not done here. I know because my kids have tried to do that. Hey, we're not, we're not done washing the car. We're not done cleaning the house, you know. But see, that's, that's not what we see in the story. It's like the parents are like, the rabbi called you? you the, the rabbi called you. Go. Drop everything and go because it was a big deal. And so they've been walking with Jesus, these young men. Jesus was the first youth pastor, you know. He had a youth group, and we never realized that, that the disciples were the first youth group, you know. And, and he's got these young men. And he's been pouring into them, and they're not getting all the stuff. Jesus has been trying to tell them, you know, hey, listen, I'm going to give my life. You know, and that's why Simon Peter's like, nah, I'm not going to let him come take you, Jesus. I'm, we're, gonna, we're going down to the mat with this one, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you're not getting it, but you will. And see, on Friday, they started running, and they were running. These young men and women, they were all just scattered. Everybody that had been following Jesus except for just a handful that went to the cross. And so Jesus, on that resurrection morning, he changed everything for these guys. He changed everything. When you walked in the door today, there on the the wall, there's a a sign that we've had painted a few years ago for an Easter service, and it says, Jesus changes everything. Jesus changed everything everything on that day. See, what you you don't get is this, is that Jesus, when he got up from the grave, he validated every promise that the Father ever gave. When he got up from the dead and was raised from the grave, Jesus, that resurrection validated everything that Jesus had ever said. He qualified it and validated it. And Jesus getting up changed everything for these guys. Because think about it. They had been running for their life. So what would make them turn on a dime like that? What would make them go in one weekend running for their lives to saying, take my life now. You can take my life. I will not denounce them. I saw it. I believe. Jesus is alive. What would make somebody do that? You could say, oh, they just believe the lie. They, they have, you know, somebody, they're just making up a story. Maybe they came and stole the body. Maybe they, why would they do that? Why would they give their life for something that was a lie when they knew it was a lie? They had already been afraid. So over the weekend, something changed that made them go from fearful to fearless. There's nothing you can do to me because my Jesus lives. And that's the promise that gives me everything back. Everything that life has ever taken from me. Jesus getting up on that day is God giving everything back to me and then some. 
Because this is it, guys. We've been running, too. Maybe you've been running. Maybe you've been running, and you've been running in fear. Maybe you've been running from a past. Maybe you've been running just from God's calling on your life. And you've just kind of felt, you know, maybe you've, you've, you've ah, you know, that's, I, I, I still got a lot of time. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that now. I don't want to, I don't want to heed that calling right now. Maybe that's where you've been. You've been running. But you need to know this, that God's calling you to stop running from him and to turn around and run to him. Actually, what you need to understand this is that God's running after you. God's been looking for you. Guys, you're not here by accident. You are here because God has an encounter planned with you this morning. You were not here just because somebody gave you a card and said, hey, come sit in church with me. No, you're here this morning because God sees where you're at. God knows who you are, and God loves you. And he is wanting an encounter with you this morning. And what you've got to understand is that the story about resurrection is more than a story. Actually, you could say, oh, that's just a good story. It's a great story that people can tell, and we'll just go hunt Easter eggs. But resurrection is not just a good story. Resurrection is an invitation. Resurrection is an invitation to you. Resurrection is an invitation for you to participate in his resurrection. It's not just a story about Jesus being resurrected. It's not just a story about Jesus getting life. It is actually a story about Jesus wanting to give his life to you. And that is where the invitation comes in. He says, you can accept it. We sang that first song earlier today about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. Who's the whosoever? I'm a whosoever. You're a whosoever. This room is full of whosoevers. That whosoever should believe in him would not perish but find life. See, that's what Jesus invites you to his life. He doesn't invite you to religion. That's not what you're invited to this morning. Get that out of your head. There's a lot of things you can get invited to. Religion is not one of them. Jesus was not trying to start a religion. He was not just trying to start a movement. He was trying to give people life. His life was too great to give up for just to start a religion. He wanted to have something more than that, and that something more was to give you his own life. And it's interesting you see in the story that even Mary thought that she was talking to, talking to the gardener, which obviously she, she would because the gardener, who was the gardener? She thought it was Jesus, right? He's the second Adam. This is the, another type of garden. This second time around that God's saying, I want to give you life, and I want to give you life more abundantly. Guys, this morning, this is more than just a good story. Resurrection is an invitation. This is an invitation to an encounter. This is an invitation to life. There's a guy that, that I follow on Instagram. His name is Aussie Dave. He's from Australia. And Aussie Dave had this on his Instagram account. He said, the smallest step in God's direction is the biggest step of your life. The smallest step this morning that you'll make in God's direction is the biggest step you'll ever take. So who in here this morning would say, I choose life. I choose Jesus. 
I choose Jesus this morning. Maybe you've been running, and he's calling you to stop running from him. Stop running from everything that you think it is. Stop running away from his call. And this morning, turn around and come back the other way. This morning, I'm giving you that invitation to choose life. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. The band's going to come back, and we're going to sing this song. But as we do this, I want you to think about what this invitation is. What is it this morning in you? What is it this morning in you? It's just Maybe you push back a little bit. Maybe you say, ah, that's great, Ryan. You, you, you get up and you tell a story. There's more to it. If there are young teenage men who in the course of about two or three days that would change their life and turn their life around from running away from the Roman government to running fearlessly with the message that Jesus is alive and there's nothing that you can do that you can do to me to make me believe anything less and to make me stop saying that how many of them died a martyr's death how many of them died for that message Jesus lives you take my life it's alright he's already given me something you can't take away from me and that is the invitation that he wants to give you this morning to give you something that nobody can take away from you. To give you something that not even death can take away from you. This morning, death was the last bully on the block. In the song we sang earlier, death was arrested and Jesus lives. We can live too. Let's sing this song together. Sing this with us.
is to every one of us. Every one of us, the invitation is extended. Will I choose life? Will I choose to believe Jesus? And Lord, you don't force this on us. You give us free will to to choose whatever. We can choose to believe. We can choose not to believe. But Lord, this morning, you want to give us life. This morning, that's your plan. That's why you came to give us life, to change our life to change our destination from death to give us eternal life. And so this morning, Lord, I choose you. Lord Jesus, I choose you. I choose to believe. This morning, I choose life. And I pray, Lord, that those who would say that with me today, that we choose life. That we choose to believe you. We choose to see you. We choose to know that you are the God that loves us, that came all across eternity to give your life for us and to raise up our life. So this morning, it's more than a story. It's more than a song. Lord, it is a reality that we can choose to live in. We can choose to live that life with you and through you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer with us this morning, I want you to do this. Can you put that number up? I just want you to text us. Just text text us to 912-400-0556. Just text, I choose life. If you prayed with us this morning, we want to celebrate that. We want to encourage that. We want to cheer that on. Because there's a lot of other people out there that want to drag you down, that want to tell you lies. So we want to pump you up, right? We want to have your back. We want to encourage that life and that choice that you're choosing today. So so let us know. If you're watching by church online or you're watching by YouTube, just comment in the chat box. I choose life. We want to believe that with you. We want to journey with you. And so we we can't do that unless you let us know. I made that decision today, and we want to celebrate that. Listen, guys, God loves you. God bless you. We're so glad that you're with us today. Don't forget, we've got family pictures outside, so you can get your family picture made. Maybe you hadn't had one in a while. 